Welcome, welcome, my lovies, to Faces of Postpartum, the podcast. I am Ariane Audet, writer, mom, photographer, advocate, and founder of the project. In this podcast, I feature postpartum stories from parents, informal discussions with friends about parenthood, and interviews with passionate providers and experts. Everything here is evidence-based, honest, and heartfelt. So stick around for unfiltered talks about the postpartum period. It's always an honor to have you here. This is recording. You're fine, baby girl? Yes. Okay. What about you, H4N Pro? I think it is fine. Better record. Now I have like a real charger. So it's not like I'm just gonna die. Goddamn Amazon battery rechargeable stuff. Anyway. <coughs> so I'm gonna try not to cough my life. Promise I don't have COVID. It's not gonna go through the screen. We can't cough anymore. No, I know. I know. Used to the, I was at the playground with the girls, and there's just two old women with masks, and they mm-hmm. were walking, and one of them was coughing, mm-hmm. and she had an N95 on, and I was like, I don't trust you. Go away. Like, get, get the fuck away from us. Like, <laughs> you're dangerous. You can't do anything anymore. You can't sneeze. You can't cough. You can't even no. go like this. <clears throat> like. I know. I know. I was with my grandparents and with mask on, and I have like those. Like, I can't believe I'm recording that, but when I eat, I have reflux. So yeah. <clears throat> my dad has the same thing, and we just cough like bad smokers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, my aunt was looking at me like, "Are you gonna infect your grandparents?" It's like now I'm just you know, old <laughs> myself. <laughs> I have acid reflux. It's terrible. I love that. No, I love that. So mm-hmm. today we are saying hi. For the first time, technically the first time, the first, first time my recorder died. So now we're doing it again, but I'm hopeful that it's just going to be for the best that we get our ducks in a row. And, and now we're, we're just going to like talk yes. through that and it's Correct. Gonna be even more amazing. Mm-hmm. And it was yes. amazing the first time. Um, <laughs> so it's 7am this time. First time was 6am. It was a bit brutal too. So mm-hmm. we still have our sexy voice, but yes. It might be a little bit flush with some water at this time compared mm-hmm. to last time. Yes. Or coffee. Did you, did you drink coffee? Not yet. It is It is happening. Oh, yes. wow. You're very yes. brave. Yeah. Very brave showing up here, not caffeinated. I know. I woke up and I was like, you know what? Let me get this together. And then I realized I did more with the girls than I actually did getting myself together. Yeah. They do that, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yes. yes. Giving so. they they keep telling you like, yeah. please put your oxygen mask first. But I'm stuck with water for the moment. All right. So today it's going to be very simple. We are just going to do a little backstory and present ourselves, talk about our birth and postpartum journey, and uh, get to know each other. And uh, yes. hopefully, it's going to be entertaining, fun, absolutely moving. Oh. I hope so, right? Yeah, yeah. And I hope that you connect with us as we start our journey together. That'd be nice. Um, yeah, right? So you can follow us along and help relay your message and your stories as well throughout our journey. Yeah, absolutely. So you want to go ahead with, with your own story? Yeah, my story. So I'm 32 years young, I'm going to say. <laughs> 
I'm going to say that after every age. Mm -hmm. I'm 32 years young, and I have two beautiful girls, Fiona, and she will be four in February, and a a two-year-old who will be, well, a one-year-old who will be two in April. (laughs) Right? Yes. We live in Preston, Virginia, and I'm thankful to have a loving husband that will help me take care of these crazy girls. <laughs> and we, we decided to start our journey with children in 2016. We got married in 2015. For myself, before we had children, I was a bit of a party person. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed going out, going to breweries, going to festivals, going to wherever I could have fun. And then when we got married, all of a sudden, I was like, I want to have a child. <laughs> and my husband was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right, there we go. So it was kind of like a drastic change. So was he also a party husband? <laughs> um, Not so much, right? So like he was more, he's more of like a homebody person. He's very comfortable. Everything he needs is here. And I am that, of course, when I'm in the house, but I do love to go some, you know, go out and have fun and do social drinking, right? So when we decided to have children, I put a lot of pressure on myself. And I think I experienced a little bit of pre-partum. Is that a thing? Antenatal or go and you know I was psyching myself out on trying to conceive I would cry often because all I thought about was you get married you have children you know this whole cycle of putting yourself in a schedule I was very schedule oriented hence me being an executive assistant (laughs) so so I scheduled you know childbirth marriage all of that it's weird to say that but that's just how yeah I think a lot of us are like that So when I did conceive after I took my guard down, because I was like, you know what, forget it. If I get pregnant, I get pregnant. I'm tired of trying to, you know, figure out when I'm ovulating, when I'm doing this on this app. It was very stressful. How long did you do it for? I did it from, so we got married in September 2015 and we conceived in June 2016. So I did it up until May and I put myself through so much emotion up until May, and then I let my guard down, and we conceived. <laughs> I hate when that happens like that. Everybody's like, "You just gotta relax," and you're like, "Gonna punch you in the truth." Like you know what? They're right. Sometimes they're right, and they're also wrong. You know, not everybody is the same, so you can't just relax. So I find it hard to believe that it's the same for everyone, right? Because it's not. Uh, it's really not. So. Yes, I let my guard down, but of course I was still thinking about it. But at that moment, I was like, you know, it's going to, whatever, <sighs> whatever. Did so, you go to the brewery and then you conceive after the brewery? <laughs> so, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I feel like that was the flow. I found out actually after going on a tubing trip. We went de- we went over to Harper's Ferry. We did a tubing trip. We drank a lot, of course, because you're on that tubing trip. And the next day... I was like, I, I don't think this is a hangover. Um, and then it rolled into the next day. Okay. And when I knew it rolled into the next day, I was like, ooh, mm-mm. It's not working. No, this is not a thing. Because, you know, you can drink different things to, like, make yourself recover. And this was not happening. And so I took a test. I went to work. I went to CVS. I went back to work. <laughs> and I took the test at work. And I came out and I was like, oh, my God oh all right this is a thing so 
Yeah, it was very fun. And as the course of me, you know, carrying Fiona, I was not working at the moment. And it was nice, but I also felt lonely because I didn't have the normal people who I would have around me besides my husband. And at that moment, because of the way my emotions are, I have a hard time opening up. So I never asked for help. I just kind of figured this is what you're supposed to do. I am supposed to be a mom. I'm supposed to do this on my own. We're going to do this. Here we go. And so when it was time to give birth, I had to go to Arlington Hospital because the doctor that I had, even though I was living in Bethesda at the time, was at Virginia Hospital Center. So far away. Yeah, very far away. I lived two minutes from suburban hospital, but I did not want to have my child outside of my doctor network that I had grew up with. I wanted somebody who knew me and it was good that they did because it was a practice of five women. And so when I went into labor, it was, it was about four o'clock in the afternoon, prime time, rush time, rush hour. It was something else. I had no idea what was happening to me. Of course, I was relaxed as you can be in my pajamas. I had just got off a lunch Zoom call with my friend Fred. And he was asking me, are you okay? And I was not feeling my best during that call. So I went to the bathroom, I sat down and, you know, my fluids came out, but I had no idea it was that. Or I did, but I was also <laughs> nervous, right? <laughs> a little bit of a denial was always good. Yes, idea. yes, correct. And then after I was like, you know what, let me just try this again. So I sat back down and it happened again. I said, oh, oh. <gasps> I don't think this is supposed to happen. So I called my doctor and she was like, yes, come on in. And my husband walks in the house and he's like, are you having my baby today? And I was like, I think so. <laughs> and, and he was like, oh, really? <laughs> I was joking, just joking. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and I was like, yes, we probably should gather everything and get out of here. So of course I had nothing packed and we gathered what we could and we left. I thought I still had time. But how far along I, were you? I had fee about five days before. Okay. So you were still 38, 39 weeks. Yeah. Right. So I was like, you know what? That's okay. I'm going to go ahead and go ahead and try to make it out here with nothing. <laughs> let's hop in the car because yeah. I feel terrible. And let's go ahead and drive our way down to Virginia Hospital Center. And of course, we got stuck in traffic on Chain Bridge. And I was like, I think I might have this child right here on this bridge. <laughs> I just wanted to get out. It was in so much pain and the contractions were starting to pick up and I had no idea what to do. You know, you learn those breathing exercises and you're like, this is so terrible. Yeah, in a car, it's it's pretty awful. Yes. So we finally made it to the hospital. They got me in there. And during the whole time I was actually on my way to the hospital, I threw up. Oh, yeah. You mentioned that you were yeah. very, very sick. Threw up the whole time. I was actually really sick during the whole pregnancy and during both. So I suffer from nausea and my nausea can come at any time uh, of the day. And I didn't want to take medication to make that kind of like 
go away during the pregnancy. So I tried to deal with so many different like holistic things to get rid of it. And it didn't really work that well, but that's okay. And when I got to the hospital, they gave me medicine. They okay. said, we're going to give you this nausea medicine. And it helped for a little bit. So I didn't do it as much, but I had Fiona, I got to the hospital and it admitted around 7 PM and had her at 125 or 129 a.m. And that was pretty quick for me because I had no idea how quick that was going to... It is quick for our first baby. Happen. Did you get the epidural? Did you... I did get the epidural. That was like the best thing ever. We talked about that. Just keep like pushing the button. Yeah, I had no Uh idea uh that this button did that. I did it and I was like, oh. Oh my goodness. What is this? They don't get this to us at home. No. (laughs) So... I was blessed to have somebody join us during my first pregnancy, which she is very close to me. Her name is Seho Safarian, and I truly adore her because she helped me calm down from the moment I saw her face to the moment that, you know, she left the next day. She came in and I was in so much pain. My husband had no idea what to do. And he looked sad, of course, as well. And the moment she walked in, we both started laughing. Mm. And that was when the gentleman came in for the, um, epidural and I got it and ever since then we were laughing and joking and playing around we even had to be told to be quiet by the nurses what (laughs) because we were so distracted with so much happiness yeah mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm. that's okay so when they decided everything is all set up you have your epidural you're here for a little bit it's already been an hour let's go ahead and go get something to eat So they both left and went to go get something to eat in the hospital. And by the time they came back, I was set up to have Fiona. Um, They walked in and they were like, oh my God, what happened? What? Is it the time where you told a nurse, I think it's coming? And she was like, I'm not sure. I told her, I said, you know what? I said, look, there was a specific nurse who told me that this was my first baby that I literally was going to take a long time to labor and that I my feelings of her coming was not as serious as I thought it was and I was like no this baby's gonna fall out of me she's gonna fall out right now it's gonna be your fault I feel her coming <laughs> yeah she was like no no it's okay and then she and left without the room. checking you mm-hmm. yep mm-hmm. and she left the room and then I buzzed again because I was like this is not okay and my doctor came in and she was like, yep, all right, you're ready. Here we go and set me up. And I actually never saw that nurse again, but mm-hmm. I was pretty disturbed at how she told me how I wasn't ready, but I knew I was. Yeah, that's kind of, we need to yeah. trust patients and mothers. Yeah, and I trusted my people. body. Even though I didn't really understand everything that was happening in the room at the moment, I was trusting my body. I knew it was time. So... I finally got set up to be delivered. They walk back in the room. They're astonished at how quick all of that happened in about 20 minutes. And then it was time to push. And I was in a state of like shock. So I pushed, but I also was kind of like, I don't think I'm doing this right. And I didn't even know that they can tell you're pushing. So they're like, you got to push. And I was like, I think that my body isn't working because of the epidural. (laughs) that you you gave yourself too much yes but then they were like no you're doing it you're just releasing too quick and I said whatever I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing and then that happened she came out and they put her on me and I was like oh my lord all that ooky stuff is on me 
and everything. But I looked at her and I was like, oh, I did this. This is a thing. And my husband was crying because, you know, he watched the whole thing and then looked at me and my friend Seho saw me cry. You know, I saw her crying and everybody's in the room all emotional. And I, I was just still in shock. I hadn't really like shed a tear yet or anything because I was kind of like, whoa, this is how this happens. And I had watched a lot of videos leading up to it, but when it's yourself, you're kind of like, okay. All right. And then with Sophia, I barely made it to the hospital. <laughs> I went into labor about midday, I think, and we were at lunch. Lunch, at lunch is a good time to start yep. labor. Lunch is a great time to start labor. Yep. <laughs> Except for this time, I was out. I was at the restaurant. So I was at the restaurant and I, I was not feeling too well. And I was moving side to side, a, a lot shifting. And my uh, co-worker and friend, she was like, what's going on? You all right over there? And I was like, mm-hmm. She said, no, you're not. <laughs> and I went to the bathroom and it happened again. Mm -hmm. um, a little bit of my fluids came out. And so when we were leaving, I didn't tell anyone, but she knew. And... I was like, you know what? Can you help me get to the car? <laughs> she it's a was good like, indicator that yeah, you're mm -hmm. about to have a baby. Yep. And she was like, okay, come here. And she helped me get to the car. She helped me get in. And during the whole car ride, I held in the fact that I needed to throw up. Mm. And as soon as I got out, my friend Herb and Tamika were like, so you should get back in the car. <laughs> we're going to take you home. And I was like, nope. Just go ahead and take me back to my desk. I'll be all right. This is okay. And so they were like, okay. And as we walked through the building, I started having contractions. And I had one right with them. And they were like, yep. So turn back around. <laughs> <laughs> and they called my husband and they told him we were going to be home in two minutes and dropped me off. And he came out running and he was like, let's go get your stuff. And of course, I'm like, yeah, go ahead, go get my stuff. And I made it right to the bathroom because that was my comfort zone. And when I got to the toilet, I, my water broke. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I can't go anywhere. I have to have this baby right here because that's how I felt as I was calling the doctor. And she was like, you have to get up. You have to get up off the floor. And I was like, I can't. <laughs> I can't do it. And he came in the bathroom and found me. I was like, you have to get up. We're not having this baby in this bathroom. I can't do it. And I was like, oh, okay. And so he set me up to get in the car. And we, like, sped down the toll road, down 66, and went. I don't even know how we showed up so quickly. We've never done that before. <laughs> so crazy. we got there. And when we got there, we immediately were met by this other couple that I felt like we had to fight for the wheelchair. There was one of them at the one door. One of them in the whole hospital. <laughs> Two pregnant women. That that's right. It was one right there. And I was like, oh, you better go get it. But that other husband made it in time. But his wife, I, I feel like she was literally in labor crowning as we were in the, in the elevator together, right? So I'm trying not to make too much noise and make her feel uncomfortable while she's there like uh, uh. and then she comes out of the elevator and she gets louder and louder she goes up the hallway and she's like ah, the baby's coming out of me and I went into full-blown tears oh my god yeah so she had her baby literally within about 10 minutes of being there 
And I went to the counter and was met by no one because all the nurses were in her room trying to take care of her. Yes. We we waited at the counter for, I want to say, about five minutes before nurses noticed that we were there. And they saw me crying. They were like, oh, my God, what is happening today? <laughs> and my husband's like, so I'm going to talk for her. Um, she She's a little traumatized by what's happening over here. And they're like, oh, let's get her in a room. Get her in a room. And after getting into a room, I had Sophia. I want to say we got to the hospital around 2.30. And I had her around 3.45, I feel it. Four o'clock. Yeah. So your baby was about to come too. Yes, she came out pretty quickly and I actually got nervous with Sophia. And so when they said, it's time to push, I said, no. I looked at my eyes, I said, no, she can't come out. I'm so scared. He was like, do you want to be like this forever? And I said, no, she got to get out. (laughs) There you go. I was very nervous about pushing with Sophia and I have no idea why. I'm not even sure. And I was very comfortable during the time where we were in the hospital. I'm just not sure automatically when they said, all right, it's time to push. I was like, "Mm -mm." I'm petrified. But you had the epidural then too? So the epidural hadn't really kicked in. So I got the epidural when we showed up to the hospital, but it hadn't, by the time I birthed Sophia, it had just started to kick in. I felt her coming out. So you think it's because you could feel the pain or? Yeah, so I could sort of feel the pain and it started to subside as yeah. I was pushing her. But I think that is why I didn't want to push because I could feel her mm-hmm. still because I didn't get the epidural in a long, you know, it was pretty quick after getting. And then you got numb for hours after that. Mm-hmm. I was numb for the rest of the night. Oh my God. Yeah. Because <laughs> well, it started you to. you don't feel your vagina. No, not at all. Nope. I laid in the bed and watched the Capitals game (laughs) at night with her right on me. This is sweet. Yes. So it was, those journeys were something I look back on all the time. And I'm so thankful to experience childbirth, but I do go through postpartum still. We never get over it. And, you know, I'm just thankful that I have the opportunity to tell my story and tell more stories as we go along. Yeah. And how was it to bring them back home? It was with Fiona. It was scary. You leave the hospital and you're like, wow, they really just gave me this baby. They're trusting me. They must me. really trust me. <laughs> <laughs> they shouldn't, but they, they do. They really are trusting me. All right, here we go. Let's go to Taco Bell first. <laughs> and then... You did? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Then we went home because I was like, we got to, we got to get ourselves together for this. We got to eat and then we got to make sure we're ready when we go home because this is going to be hectic. And I could say that with Sophia, bringing her home was fairly easy. We were ready. Um, We were ready to get out of the hospital and coming home to her and having Fiona see her was scary because when Fiona came to the hospital, she was like, oh my gosh, hi and excited. And she was like, all right, yeah, yeah, I'm ready to leave. And then she left. So I was like, oh, okay. And I got kind of emotional because I was like, my child doesn't like me or my baby. This was my, you know, this was my baby. I don't know how she's feeling right now. She's feeling like, what is this? And then when we came home and she saw me sitting on the couch when they opened the door with the infant, she ran back out and screamed no and like started kind of crying and whatnot. And I was like, oh. 
and I started crying too, of course, because I was like, this is emotional. It makes me think of it now, get a little emotional because I had never imagined that my child would kind of like run away from the newborn, let alone me too. So that was an experience and it took her a little bit, maybe like a day or two to kind of get used to the fact that she has this infant in her space and yeah, not, she's here to stay and she's, she's not going anywhere. Yep. So, and now they're the best of friends. Yeah. <laughs> These reactions are fairly normal, but when you go through them, it's awful. You just feel, you feel awful. We made it out. <laughs> yeah. And did you have help with your first and your second? Did you ask for help? My first one, you know, I had, I've had, I'm not going to discredit that I haven't had help during the whole process mm -hmm. of me having the babies. It's more about my personality and not putting my feelings out there like I should. So, you know, for me to ask help for my family, they're going to do it, you know, but they also are going to look at me like, oh my God, you just asked us for help. Let's get out there because it's not a normal thing. The one cousin that I'm so, actually it's four of them that are very, very helpful. We have a group chat and they literally checked up on me all the time. It was one cousin who we are about six months and 25 days apart, not that I'm counting, that we are very close and she knew. So she felt it, she knew that I was struggling and she would try to come over and bring us food and, you know, try to just sit with Fiona. And then with Sophia, I did have the help automatically coming to me at that point because I decided to let down my guard during my first child and ask for help. And after when you say you struggled, what do you mean by that? What I mean, I struggled with asking for the help or struggled. No, with... you say your cousin felt that you were struggling. Well, she knew that with the breastfeeding, it was a struggle. I had a very hard time breastfeeding with both of my girls. I didn't really produce like I thought I was going to, and it it made me get a little depressed. I yeah. was a little depressed, right? So I went to a lactation clinic. The lactation clinic made me feel uncomfortable, and so I left that doctor's, and I only was able to breastfeed Fiona for about six to eight weeks. and. It started to really dry up around the seven and I was trying really hard to like do it. And then with Sophia, you know, after about two weeks, I, it was drying up. So I struggled with breastfeeding and that was a big part of the postpartum, you know, watching all these moms tell you, you're supposed to be breastfeeding. Your, your milk is what makes them the most healthiest. Why aren't you trying? You know, I literally had people tell me that. So Um, from, from like professional or like people no, in, in your like friends and you know whatnot and family like they see you with a formula about it and they're like why aren't you giving that baby your milk not everybody can do that yeah. so also none of your business <laughs> right exactly right so I did have a lot of people try to tell me what to do with my body and what to do with my child and all I wanted to do was excuse my language and appropriately tell them to fuck off right yeah. so basically that's that is what happened and I got over it with Sophia a little bit quicker when it came to the breastfeeding because I was already telling myself that I need to prepare myself to know that I might not be able to produce as much and you was already the have the tools less? I'm sorry yeah right the guilt is a little less than the first one and now they're healthy and thriving and running all over the place <laughs> and all over you too <laughs> yes <laughs> correct correct 
for work. And when yeah. you say you had postpartum, it was it like a diagnosed postpartum depression or it was more anxiety or how did that manifest? Anxiety. anxiety. So, you know, I deal with a lot of anxiety. I, I'm one of those moms that I check up on my children throughout the night every two hours or three hours or so. I'm that person that checks doors at night to make sure that our family is safe. And, you know, I'm just always thinking my mind never rests and it's a it's it's a struggle to kind of deal with that because you're always worried about what if this happens to my child is my child okay are they running are they playing with this do they have anything that they're going to choke one if they're in their room by themselves it's so much that goes through my mind but you wouldn't really know that at least some of the teachers from my preschool tell me that they wouldn't really know that because they feel like i'm such a chill relaxed mom but that's also kind of like a a shield for me i'd rather keep my worries and my thoughts and whatnot and not scare you <laughs> yeah with what i'm thinking because sometimes it could just be me just overthinking or it could be me getting a genuine feeling that oh maybe this isn't right and maybe try to analyze what's happening but i do go through a lot of anxiety and when i went to the doctors the doctor was like you might be suffering through some postpartum and here are some resources so i wasn't really like here's a prescription for anything it was more of like you are this is what's happening here are some resources but it was a lot of pamphlets and whatnot not anything that's gonna help me <laughs> really yeah it's it's interesting and it, it's a step in the right direction these pamphlets because at least it makes you know it exists but you still have to make the effort and do the work to reach out to other professionals when you don't have you know like the intervention yeah. would need to happen directly when that pamphlet is ended yeah. you know mm -hmm. that would yeah. the care would need to start there and it doesn't there's missing link here in the chain of care i don't know how i can i agree with you <clears throat> you know you're kind of handed this bag of stuff when you leave the hospital but when you leave the hospital there's no one to call and check up on you afterwards you're told to call and check up on yourself in a sense you're told to call the doctor's office go and go and get your checkups right yeah six weeks when we yeah. all know now that it, you know some of it might take a year to kick yeah. in so mm -hmm. and it's kind of like if you had that doctor when you're in the hospital be like this is a person who we'd like to connect you with she's going to contact you you know and you kind of like start that process because that's just not going to happen with moms they're literally told all right here you go we got another mom rolling up in here you got to get on out <laughs> the focus is mostly on the baby and the mom mm -hmm. i had this dream with uh, not a night dream but a real dream mm -hmm. uh with a friend of mine who's a therapist and she said how amazing would that be if counselors would go directly to the room right after the mom had the person mm -hmm. had given birth and say how are you i would love that I would how was the how was the, the birth first off because we know that births can be extremely traumatizing and by talking about it straight from the get-go it might alleviate a lot of the trauma <clears throat> staying with your tra trauma is proven that it's just going to make it worse so having someone like yeah. stop the balder the balder right away would be great and beyond that here's my card if you ever want to talk reach I out agree with you this right away that would I be totally like, agree with you yeah that would be the most ideal situation but 
it's unfortunate <laughs> that they don't set us up like that, right? You're kind of just left on your own trying yeah. to find your resources, asking questions from other people and whatnot. And then you're kind of just, like I said, you're making it, right? You're winging it. You And I know I felt lost during some parts of postpartum with both children but with feet with Sophia specifically after her I deal with a lot more anxiety than I imagined so Sophia she she is all over the place I mean that little girl can find danger all over the place <laughs> so what I worry about her the most yeah. <laughs> over Fiona and I'm sure as she grows up it'll get much better but yeah that's that's my story well, thank you for that. I know it's not easy to tell these stories and to be vulnerable and to know it's recorded and it's going to be put out there forever. <laughs> yeah, but you know, when you do things like this, I would love, I just want people to understand that you can talk about it. Yeah, I, I guess you said something earlier about not wanting to scare others and it speaks, it says a lot about how... Aside from Instagram or, you know, some niche group on Facebook or some very specific individual in your life, if you're lucky, we don't talk about it. You mm -hmm. know, you have, you have the, you prepare for the pregnancy and then you prepare for the birth and then you receive onesies and cute books. But in fact, we don't, we, we haven't normalized all the fluid that's going to come out of you afterwards, right. all the emotions. And we're not, you know, we talked about the baby blues and it's such a condescending term. I feel mm -hmm. like the baby blues, like, yeah. no, it's not know, sad. It's not, it, and it's not, it can be sad, but also it's beyond that. Like, let's just, you know, let's open up a space that is wider than two weeks instead of trying to contain the emotions that will inevitably come out of this experience. And not just within two weeks, you know, it's a major identity shift. And you mentioned breastfeeding and this is, we put so much pressure on the person who breastfeeds to the point where you feel you are, you are defined by your ability to breastfeed mm -hmm. or not. And yeah. it's very, it can be very triggering and, and. Oh, it's very it's triggering. Very, very difficult. When I hear about people talk about how easy it is for them to breastfeed or they're gloating about how much they were able to put into a bottle, I do get into my feelings about it. And I don't know if others really understand that or see that, right, when they're talking about it. Because for them, I don't want to discredit them on the accomplishment. That yeah, it's a celebration. Did. It's just, you know what I mean? It is a celebration. You literally just took that life from yourself to give it to your child. And I think that is beautiful. And I also think that you should be very mindful about yes. people who you're speaking to about it, right? Because they might not have gone through the same experience as you, even though you're either having a great experience or struggling, just being mindful about how talking about it, but they should talk about it. But the fact that we feel threatened by other people's experiences only means one thing is that we don't have space mm -hmm. to welcome all experiences. We are not empowered to have a voice and to, to, to talk about these things. If we feel there's not enough spaces for everybody, it means like something 
somewhere is lacking and it's the mm-hmm. safe space to welcome everything and be like you 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 don't have to feel lesser than because somebody else has had another experience correct that's at least that's what i'm taking from my yep. own my own journey and tell us about your journey yeah that's i was just trying to <laughs> sort of think where do i start well as as a lot of people know i'm actually canadian hence the weird accent i'm french canadian and I immigrated in the U.S. in 2016, got married in 2013. So I have lived in two countries, had a long-distance relationship, traveled, had a very, you know, I was very privileged in life to go to grad school and Canada being what it is, finish a PhD without any debt. And coming from where I come, it was a huge cultural shock when I, I came to the U.S., to say the least. Oh, I, was it? No, man. <laughs> it was the year Trump got elected. Oh, my Lord, Jesus. And the morning after I immigrated, my husband came down the steps. And because we had talked about it before with a little um, box of baby converse, and it yes. was saying, like, what do you think? Meaning, like, what do you think if we start trying to have babies? And I didn't want to find a job in academia And then I have to travel around because I knew that if I, I had a child, I wanted to take at least a year off again, based on the fact that we were lucky enough that my husband made enough money for both of us without also discrediting the fact that I had moved, I had uprooted myself for that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. yes, he had the, the big paycheck and we were lucky, but also, you know, I left everything behind too. You too. had left your family and friends. And-, and so I was lucky. I got pregnant very quickly and I treated it as a project. I was like, okay, this is a dissertation. Having a baby is the same thing. I'm just gonna, you know, make to-do lists and it should yeah. be fine. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, it didn't end up being like that. Uh, the pregnancy went fine, but looking back, I had a lot of anxiety and we didn't want to do a home birth for the first one, but I having suffered from obsessory violence in the past, I had elected to go with a midwife practice that also delivered in a natural birth center mm-hmm. attached to a hospital, which knowing what I know now, again, the the hospital side and the natural birth center, which is like bumping heads a lot. And there was a lot All of the time. power, whether or not like the protocols and the midwives had to fight for, you know, evidence-based science regard. And also the hospital, protocols which are a private organization if you think about it anyway so i got i found myself kind of in the middle of that and it was far away it was an hour away so same thing as soon as i started to have contractions i had eaten so much crap that day like waffle i think i told you that like (laughs) silver diner and then matchbox and then duck donut and then at 3 p.m and we had walked the Potomac Mill Mall for three hours. So I was exhausted by the time I started to have real contraction. <laughs> and when I got in, when they checked me, it was first of the worst pain I've ever felt. I'm hopeful that cervical check will become optional because they don't say a yeah. lot and they're very painful. And they don't, you know, unless you're really deep into labor and you're like, okay, like something's gonna happen. And so we mm-hmm. need to check where you are. They're absolutely unnecessary. And they hurt like hell. So please stop stop doing that. They're very triggering too for survivors mm-hmm. of sexual assault like myself or obstetric violence. And it's just, it's, it's get them away. Yeah. And she broke my water. She tore the rest of the bag. And, and so therefore my contractions started to become way more intense. Did she know that? She didn't do it on purpose. It's okay. just like she wiggled and my water had already broken a little bit, but mm-hmm. by checking, she just got the rest yeah, of got, it out, yeah. which then made, 
the labor very very painful but i you know i i powered through it but eventually at 8 a.m the morning after i was exhausted it had been 12 hours and by protocol i needed to be transferred because i was gbs positive it's another thing anyway i had received my antibiotics so it's not like if there was any danger Mm -hmm. but i got transferred to the hospital side then (laughs) and the nurse who came in it was 8 a.m change of shift super peppy and she's like let's have this baby and i'm like get the fuck out of here you stink <laughs> and i felt like her perfume stinks so yeah. much mm-hmm. oh yeah uh, and she was like that's fine i don't care you know you're just one of many who insulted me <laughs> while giving birth yeah. she became my favorite of course because she was just very grounded and just like i know what i'm she doing she knew what was happening you're exactly fine. we're that's fine right. everybody's fine isn't it crazy that you have people who are so calm with you during that whole process as you are so all over links. And you have to be a really special human to walk the line between being assertive and respectful because you can be very assertive and not respect the patient at all and just create more trauma. And she was not that. It was more like just very reassuring, like you're giving birth, you're not sick. It's mm-hmm. normal. You know, we're gonna we're here with you. We're gonna respect and support you and you know it's gonna be fine and then you come to trust that person Mm -hmm. and so after i don't know eight neftis almost three four hours i got the epidural which was you know absolutely wonderful i'm always kind of flabbergasted when the anesthesiologist is like ma'am you're gonna have to stop moving and i'm like mister if you feel like your ass is about to tear apart one day, and I hope for the sake of this experiment, you do, you will know that it's not easy to, you know, like what, what dumb comment is that? Yeah, sure. I'm good. Yeah. I don't want to be paralyzed idiot, but I'm having like massive contractions. Shut up. And so I got the epidural, gave myself a lot of medication thinking I was calling the nurse. So when you said that you were doing this, I was like, Oh, I knew I did that a few times. How glorious. It's glorious, but I, I I kept it. This is how much I gave myself in like literally five minutes. You and sucked up the whole bag? I sucked up the whole thing. And at some point it stops giving you any because they're like, it this does, person yeah. is an addict. We can't let her do that. And then the nurse came and she was like, oh boy, what happened? And I was like, I'm slapping my legs. Look at that. I can't feel them, but I can still move them. And and I gave her to Lou. And I remember, first off, we didn't know it was a little girl. So we were happy because we had no idea. We kept Did it a surprise. Know? How no. the heck did you do that? My anxiety would not let me do that. But it's funny. I was like, we're old. So we don't have a lot of surprise anymore in our lives. So let's just, you know, let's just wait and see. And it was actually exciting. It was an exciting thing to do. And we mm-hmm. did the same with our second, which, thank God, it was a girl because we didn't have you any boys' names. both? Uh-huh. Oh, Lord, you just put me into a hole. <laughs> well, as long as I don't, like, put shovel any dirt on you it's okay no but that is like i would have loved to do that to have the element of a surprise from both children but i tried it was not but it's i i don't know i i tried to be like i know it's gonna be worth it i guess it was that and and also we had chosen gender neutral name we are these people you know let's just put it out there we are these Mm -hmm. gender neutral kind of people yeah we, we wear red beanies we're kind of hipster a little <laughs> so oh we're we i'm very that category. you're talking to a very hipster person right here so it's funny because we know each other but not that much and we've heard yep. that story before because 
I fucked up with my recorder, but we still don't know a lot of things about each other. So it's nice. That's right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So she put, she helped me put her on the breast and then she left. Mm -hmm. And I was like, huh? <laughs> what am I supposed to do with that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. She was, and so I let her there for 40 minutes, which was a bad idea for my inverted nipple who had to be broken. Yeah. And so the flesh just. That had to hurt like crazy. It was, And because I was this whole nipple confusion and stuff, I didn't want to give her yeah. a pacifier. So I would give her my pinky and my knuckles and it would turn mm -hmm. blue because she would bruise me because she would be, her suckling was just so intense. And so from literally the first two hours, I was bleeding everywhere and I, I was freaking out. Then someone was like... Yeah have you heard of apno cream? And I was like, what is this thing? And the apno cream is just the glory cream you put on your nipple. And it's like, it's a compound. So you get, you need a prescription, which shouldn't happen. They should just give it away for free. It's like, yeah. make it rain, make the yeah. apno cream mm -hmm. rain yeah. if you want to breastfeed. Mm -hmm. And it helped. But all this, it took me like about a week to be able to figure out this whole breastfeeding thing. And I would pump. And so it's just a, a full time job. And on my second appointment with the pediatrician, she said, I had made an, an appointment with my pediatrician and somehow somebody else has showed up. And I was already like ridden with anxiety and not feeling well and not sleeping and checking on her breathing. And in retrospect, again, I always had dealt with anxiety in my life, but handled it with extreme discipline and now the discipline was gone and the routine was gone and this baby was taking all the space and I was like I am not going to survive that already I knew that from the get-go and showing up in this pediatrician office she was like well your baby lost too much weight your milk is not enough and she textbook said that your milk is not enough so therefore you're gonna have to supplement and she left what I heard is I am not enough Yeah. And mm -hmm. so I went home and I think by then I had found, I think Lou must have been four months old. So it was longer than that. But by then I would not sleep. I could not nap because oh. I was, I was too anxious. I was afraid to drive because I thought we're going to die. And I had found a therapist <laughs> and I had showed up in her office and said, so I have these issues with my mother. And she was like, You have other issues before talking about your mother. I think postpartum depression is looming. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a dark cloud yeah. on top. It's swinging of it. right on in. Yes. And yep. she's like, let's just, you know, take clear that out before we mm -hmm. talk about your mother's issues. Yep. And I was like, no, no, I'm sure I don't. I'm, I'm all fine. I'm all good. And she's like, let me, let me call a colleague of mine. She's actually leaving this week, but she's a specialist. And I met with her, and her name is Elizabeth Wilkins McKee. And she's a perinatal counselor. She mm -hmm. lives in Manassas. It's, it's a shameless plug for her because she's helped so many people in uh, Prince William County, yeah. where I used to live. And I remember she was she had a cold, and she had the, the office of a therapist, like you imagine, you know, with cushions and blankets. Yeah, exactly. And she was wrapped yep. in, in, in shawl. And, and she... And that she day looked she like your typical TV therapist. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Very caring. And I tried the best I could to fake it, I guess. But she saw right through me and she took a little notepad and she was like, here's what you're going to do. You're going to try to sleep four to five hours of an, 
uninterrupted I can't say that word uninterruptedly and I was like yes but my husband is working and she's like and so are you you're working during the day you're feeding this child you're keeping this child alive but your husband's gotta he's gotta help yeah he's gotta help out yes and she's like if you can't sleep you're gonna ask your doctor to prescribe x y and z and so I agreed to some and tried to fight other but by then it was just a little too late and anxiety the anxiety and also meeting her and the previous therapist it was like a dam had opened and so i was able to come flooding in and i felt someone would welcome me so i just broke and that sunday i texted her and i had just heard my husband upstairs with my daughter and they were laughing it was by month four or five and the first thing that came to my mind was well i don't need to live anymore they're so happy together i can kill myself and isn't that crazy that you feel that way or that you think those thoughts yes and it it, it felt like the most normal thing to do it was incredibly painful Mm -hmm. but it felt like the thing that needed to be done and so i texted my therapist and i was like hey i just had this thought she was like well now that you voiced that you're going to go straight to the ER and you're going to yeah. ask mm-hmm. for help and make sure that you're safe. I went and stayed there for a little while. I went at Fairfax, Innova Fairfax. And luckily I, I found there a doctor, an ER doctor that was welcoming, which is not always the case as I've come to realize. And they allowed me to go back home on the basis of me checking in with them. But the Intrusive thoughts kept coming, and by the end of that week, Elizabeth had suggested I go to UNC, where they have a psychiatric unit specifically for moms. It's a mm-hmm. perinatal unit. Uh, Innova Fairfax just opened one, mm-hmm. which is absolutely which wonderful. is awesome. It's in North Carolina, so again, I was privileged enough to be able. My husband took one week off. We packed our thing, packed our little baby. Not knowing mm-hmm. where they would sleep that night, but drove the four hours. I think it took six hours with 95 in the traffic. It was just awful. And it was the most terrifying yet amazing time of my life. Uh, I would meet with psychiatrists every morning. I would have group therapy. There was just the f- five of us. So mm-hmm. uh, we had the right to have visitors. So Nice. There was a pump in the room, so I could pump during the night. And because it's a huge trigger again to yeah. feel like I'm not only I'm abandoning my family, but also I can't feed my child. So it was yeah. this huge thing. And I met a nurse there. Her name was Carol, and she was like, "Child, my child, <laughs> you're gonna put your app away. You're gonna put your books away. You're gonna put Google away." And you're going to trust yourself, you know, like you're, you're, let's start from scratch. Let's learn how to believe in yourself as a mother and rebuild that identity. And they gave me medicine for depression. They gave me medicine for sleep. They gave me medicine for anxiety. Yeah. And from someone who always thought I can handle everything by myself with medication and exercise, I was like, yes, give me all the drugs, all the drugs. Mm-hmm. And it was life-changing. I understood that I should have had been on some depression, medication some before, medication yeah. before, mm-hmm. that I had things, yes, to deal with in therapy, but that medication was, was the way to go for now. Yes. And after that, I was able to thrive. And never in a million years, I would have thought I would do it again, but I did. And this time, and I, this is also when I started Faces of Postpartum, is in this hospital room. I was like, I had finally the space to be some 
somebody else and someone I used to be, which was someone who created things and made things. And I was not just a dairy cow with cracked nipples and her little (laughs) bottle of apno cream next to her. I was somebody else. You were, you were a mom. Exactly. I was a mom, but I was also like, Again, you were yourself again. Exactly. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so I wrote and of course it was not like it didn't deal with every everything like literally the I stayed there for a week. They discharged me. Mike, I think the anxiety hit him. Collapsed, super sick, vomited for three days straight. And so I went straight back into pure tortured mind and stuff and Mm -hmm. my therapist was actually very upset she was like you needed more time of course you thrived with a super rigid schedule and Mm -hmm. people caring for you but at least I knew what to do I had more tools in my toolbox so within the years I I gained confidence and also had help and figured out what to do what to do but also what I wanted my postpartum my next postpartum period to do so I think in a way Mm -hmm. going through that prepared me to say oh I can prepare that too and this is something that I feel is lacking is the fact that we prepare pregnancy we prepare birth we prepare to conceive but we don't prepare for postpartum we don't prepare more and more now but generally speaking we don't prepare parents and women and people for for the postpartum period and so when I got pregnant with birdie her name is billy rose and i was like i want a home bird knowing that it might not happen like that but at least i, I wanted to trust myself and mm-hmm. i pre- i did a postpartum plan which was absolutely wonderful it was all the things from places that deliver food i love to the num- phone number of my therapist the phone number of my doctors phone number of my psychiatrist mm-hmm. uh, and just in case something happens my friend mara watts who's also a therapist calls it if shit hit the fan plan <laughs> and yes. this is it we were lucky we hired the postpartum doula to make sure like we would be taken care of and mm. so this time around was was much easier her birth was more eventful i labored for 31 hours supposedly second kids oh are supposed goodness. to be faster but yeah, not this one yeah. lou was 18 hours and she was 31 and at 25 i was like what the hell is wrong with her and when we checked we discovered her shin was not in so she couldn't Uh, actually go into the bird canal yeah so we did a maneuver in in the house and broke my water hoping it would make Mm -hmm. things faster and it didn't make things faster but then she wouldn't come out and her heart didn't like it and she was tired so we had to call the emts which i was kind of oh god damn it you know like 31 hours so close but i need to be transferred firefighters come emts comes I go down the steps because my bedroom was upstairs and gravity yeah. did its job and I gave birth in the steps. Oh my Lord Jesus. My midwife yeah. caught her. She came out like a little fishy. Ooh. And I have this video of myself holding birdie. The door was wide open. Mm-hmm. So my neighbors heard everything and it was October. So it was kind of cold. And so at some point, all you hear is my midwife saying, maybe we should close the front door because the three EMTs were just like, what? What the world yeah. just happened. Uh-huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. And all I see is my midwife not wanting any help because she's like, I was so afraid that if they would give me any help, they would take you away. They would be mm-hmm. like, no, we need to take her now because we started care. So I, I, I grabbed my stuff and went back up with my baby on me uh, saying, I think my vagina just exploded. 
And my midwife saying, yeah, sometimes that's its job. And it was amazing, you know. She gave me the choice. She was like, do you want to just spend time with your baby? I was like, feel something tore down there. Please just handle that before I, I enjoy my baby. It was everything. It was everything to be able to be in my bed. It was everything yeah. to have people care mm-hmm. for my house while that happened. And I just stayed in bed for as long as I could. Which is good. Which healthy. Was, it was absolutely mm-hmm. wonderful. It was hard And it was tiring and exhausting, but I had tools this time and it was Mm -hmm. just so different. And I also allowed myself to not work. And of course, you know, it's still filled with guilt and strong emotions. And am I enough? And, you know, pediatricians, I switched pediatrician after that first. I I called Elizabeth and I was like, this pediatrician is a shit show. Find (laughs) me another one. I didn't say that like that, but she found me like this amazing man I think, mm-hmm. I, I mean, if I could, I would marry yeah. him. And I know mm-hmm. now for a fact that a lot of moms would marry him too. Your doctors are like one of the most amazing people that could come into your life. Yes. That literally learn your body like no one yes. other. And they can be the most amazing people or they can destroy you. That is correct. To choose them and to have it the privilege to choose time. them is amazing. Yeah. yeah. I, I totally agree with you. Thank you so much for listening to Faces of Postpartum, the podcast. If you have any show ideas, comment, or inquiries, you can reach us at podcast at facesofpostpartum.com. We also have an Instagram, Faces of Postpartum, and we just always love to hear from you. See you soon.